talking about the Holy Spirit, actually. We have, we have um, a passion for things of the Spirit in our church. And so there's been a lot of new folks who have been coming this past six months. It's surprising that you guys have come out and kind of been part of our church. But we want to just kind of champion and talk about this value, this pillar of our church. Our vision as a church is this, to awaken people to the transforming presence and power of God's love. That's our vision. That's our passion. The transforming presence and power of God's love. That comes through the Spirit working in us and through us. We experience His love through the Spirit. We experience His presence through the Spirit. And so one of our, our pillars is moving in the power of the Spirit. We have four pillars, just so you know. I'm, I'm just going to read them out loud. Encountering the Father's love, moving the power of the Spirit, engaging the kingdom mission of Jesus, and building the family of faith. The one that's easiest to sort of lose sight of, to sort of diminish over time, is moving in the Spirit. Any church that's, you know, a charismatic church struggles with the balance between making plans and making programs and being sensitive to God's leading and hearing his voice. So it's so important that we champion and we continue to remind ourselves as a church, this is who we are. We're a church that is led by the Spirit, that desires you to, be, to experience the Spirit as a, as a daily, a real part of your, your walk with the Lord. And so it's easy to sort of forget about this and begin, to, you get religious. You just get kind of normal Christianity. You kind of do your own thing. That's what I do every day. This is, this is who I am. But to be sensitive and to listen and to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's the easiest one to kind of forget about. Antley planted this church, Antley Fowler and the team planned this church 16 years ago. And this was a passion of theirs to normalize the things of the Spirit to normalize feeling God's presence, to normalize opening our hands to, to receive prayer, to normalize healing and tongues and worship, to normalize those things. Because in reality, in the charismatic church, especially at that time, 20, 15, 20 years ago, there was a lot of things that were not normal. You know, I was, I was a part of the charismatic church in the 90s when the third wave, it was called, kind of hit the church. And there were all these manifestations that were just, I mean, they just looked weird. I mean, they were. And, and they still happen sometimes, but we're not, we're not trying to go for a manifestation. We're not trying to go for an expression. We're, we're trying to go for God. And I remember just being in that church I was a part of, and I, I, I saw things, I experienced things. I was, I was pushed over. I was blown on. I was breathed on, whatever. And, you know, those things are for a seeker, for a, a person who's coming to our church, for a person who's just, just encountering God for the first time. That really is kind of odd. You know, it is. And so our hope here is to normalize the supernatural, to be natural, to normalize it so that it's not just like some kind of weird Christian magic or something. And so we want to, we want to do that. And this past year, honestly, this past year in the charismatic, I'm just going to say this, I'm going to be a little controversial, but I'm going to say this. In the charismatic church, so much has been said and done that has put, put a, a highlight in a negative way on the charismatic part of our, of our church in America, in my opinion. And this is a little bit hard to say, but I, I'm, I, I, feel, I have felt like We've been off in a lot of ways. And I'm part of this. We're part of the charismatic evangelical church in America. We're part of this, this wing that believes in the power of God. And much has been said. If I were to read to you a year ago, I went back this week and looked at the, the prophetic words for 2020. It, many of us would start laughing because they were so off in my opinion. They were, God's going to send the greatest revival and the, the, there's going to be incredible resources for the church. And there's going to be, it was, you know, Trump's going to win. It was all these things that were said. It was very clearly said, in the name of God, in the name of the word of God or God's voice. And I'm sorry, you know, I, I applaud those who in the charismatic church in the past month have said, I got it wrong. We got it wrong. We, we mixed our politics with our prophetic and we came out with something that really wasn't God. 
We mixed our passion, maybe our convictions theologically with our, with our view of God spoke to us and we got it wrong. And, and, and I applaud those who have done that in the past week or so. And they've been attacked for it, viciously, some of them. And so I want to say that, you know, we're still going to go for it though. We're still going to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, even though there's sometimes we get it wrong. We get it wrong sometimes. If you come down front, sometimes you hear things like, well, that's really off. But we're still going to go for it. We're not going to just say, oh, it must all just be fake. It must all just be a lie. It must all just be hype. It must all just be wishful thinking. We believe that God speaks. He's a living God. And he wants us to step out individually and corporately to be a voice. Because when you encounter a true move of the Spirit, when you encounter a true word from God for you specifically, when you encounter the power of healing emotionally or physically, it can change the course of your life in an instant, in a moment. It can dramatically change who you are. And that's the story of what I'm going to talk about this morning from the book of Acts. Over and over again in the book of Acts, it's really the acts of the Spirit through the acts of the apostles. It's the Spirit moving in this brand new church. The Spirit falls at Pentecost and boom, it's just supernatural. There's no plan. There's no program. There's no, there's no prescribed thing. It's just the power of the Spirit. And they just normalized it. They lived supernaturally, naturally. They moved in faith and expectancy and hope that God wanted to heal, God wanted to deliver, God wanted to set captives free, God wanted to bring um, prosperity even when they, were, when they were struggling with that. They, they just moved in that place. That's all they had. They didn't have all the resources we have. They didn't have all the power we have. They, they had nothing. They had a little upper room where they prayed and they fasted and boom, the spirit broke in power. Because God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong and the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And that's what he did. So the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he hovered over the waters of creation. He filled Jesus at his baptism when the dove fell upon Jesus. The Spirit, we're in the age of the Spirit. When Jesus said, I'm leaving in John 15, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. This is John 15, verses 16 and 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. That's huge. The indwelling Holy Spirit. Before Jesus' resurrection, the Spirit did not indwell believers necessarily. It fell upon them. It rested upon them. It came upon them. It came upon Samson for, for his power. It came upon David for exploits in battle. It came upon Saul when he prophesied. It came upon Elijah when he did various miracles. It came upon them. But in the, in the Spirit age, the New Testament age, post-resurrection of Jesus, the Spirit indwells us. That's the definition of a Christian. A non-person who doesn't know Jesus does not have the Spirit indwelling in them. They can still feel a Spirit. You can pray for someone and they feel something. That's the Spirit. They can hear from the Spirit. But a Christian is someone who has the Spirit that lives inside of them. It's not Jesus. It's not God. It's the Holy Spirit. Not the force. He's a person. The Holy Spirit. And, and Paul says that when you believe this is this, you're sealed. It's like, it's like your deposit. Here it is in Ephesians 1.13. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That's the first step. You're sealed with the Spirit. And then you're filled. And this filling happens over and over again. We're daily desiring to be refilled and filled. We, things of the world and struggles and we get, dis, you know, 
disillusioned. We struggle. So we're asking God to fill us over and over again. There are moments where the feeling is so pr- profound. It's like a baptism. And we can remember that moment where we were filled to, to incredible joy and power and freedom. But over and over again, we're asking God to fill us. Acts 4, 31 says, And when they prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So we're sealed and we're filled so that we can walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5 says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're sealed to be filled so that we can walk. We can live in a way that we're being transformed more and more to become to, to look more like Jesus and to not struggle with this thing, things of our past. Freer from sin, more like Christ. The Christian life, freer from the sin of our past or whatever it may be, to be more like Christ, to look more like him. The more we look like Christ, the more others want to be with Christ. So we're sealed to be filled, to walk, to express the gifts of the Spirit. And these, there's every, every spiritual gift listed, there's tons of them in the scriptures. Every gift from the dramatic ones, they're called the, the sign gifts, like healing, to hospitality. Every gift is given by the Spirit. They're not more important. So whether, whether or not you think of yourself as someone who has the gift of healing or a gift of prophecy, it, every gift is from the Spirit. Hospitality and teaching and mercy, all those are from the Spirit. But today I'm talking about the power of the Spirit and the, and the manifest, the sign things that we, we believe in so strongly here, which are, again, they're harder to talk about and they're a little bit, a little bit odd. So I'm going to read them right now from 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 7, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. That means, it means to be shown. The manifestation is to, be, to see something. It manifests. It comes out. Is given for the common good. To one that's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, another faith by the Spirit, another gifts of healing by, the, by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, another prophecy, another distinguishing spirits, another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Those are called the sign gifts, the ones that we, we are, they're, they're for a reason. You, you see them. You can't deny when someone is healed or someone is given a prophetic word that, that happens or someone hears someone speaking in tongues. Those are, they're called sign gifts. They're manifestations for the common good, the good of the, good of the church, but the good of the world. And in, in the time of the of book of Acts, those things occurred to testify, to verify, to confirm the message of the gospel. You see, there were so, there were so many messages and so many other religions happening in that Roman world It was these gifts, these sign gifts that were so important for people to see and go, wow, there's something different about the name of Jesus. There's something different about these people who are calling themselves Christians. These things were done to attest to the truth of the gospel. And we need that right now in our day and age. We don't need more programs and and, and really eloquent messages, even though I'm a great speaker. I mean, we do, but we, we don't. That's not going to work. The coming days of our culture, it's not going to matter how eloquent your words are. They want signs. They want to see, is your God real? Is your God real? The inbreaking of power and love, is it real? 
I mean, it's, it's so true. This is what I, I believe we need even this year is a, is a manifestation of the power and the love of God to show the world who, who Jesus is. The Spirit wants to show off. He does. We don't have to, we don't have to beg him. We don't, we don't have to like, oh gosh, if we just do enough of this stuff, maybe he'll bless us with this stuff. He wants to show off, especially to the lost, especially to the broken. In the book of Acts, it's all about the broken. It's all about those out there. So this story from Acts chapter 3 is when Peter and John were going to a temple. This is just when the, when the, when the gospel is being proclaimed for the first time in the first early days. And this is what happens. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. There was a man lame from birth who was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. The man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver or gold I don't have. What I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping, praising God. When the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who had been sit, sit, sat begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Let's stop there. Here's a man literally who had never walked, y'all. Like, he didn't have any muscle. He had nothing. He was literally probably just sitting there. He had never walked from birth. And Peter and John are, are just going into church. If I see a guy on the road and he asks me for money, I'll give him money. Because I, I operate most of the time out of the natural. I'm not thinking supernaturally. They didn't have silver or gold. We do. And we oftentimes turn to silver and gold first before the Lord. That's just the reality. In America, we have so much to turn to sometimes before we turn to the, the supernatural. They didn't. They were poor. Peter and John just say, I don't have any silver or gold, bro. But what I do have is infinitely better in Jesus' name, get up. Could you imagine? They had seen this guy for years and years in the temple courts. It was a big area. And they had seen him begging over and over again. They helped him. They gave him money. They brought, people carried him there. And all of a sudden, his muscle tone is coming back. His strength is coming back. And he stands to his feet in front of hundreds, maybe thousands of people. And they're like, what, did they just, what happened here? What happened to Frank? Look at Frank. That's not Frank. That's not, that's not, that's not in the Greek. But... But literally, he comes to his feet, and they bring him in, and he's jumping and dancing. Wouldn't you be? And the next thing you know, 5,000 people have asked Jesus into their heart. 5,000. Acts 4.4. 4. Acts 4.4 4 says that 5,000 be, became believers after that, that experience. They took Peter and John into, into, the, into, into the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, how did you do this? What did you do? What magic did you use? And they said, it was just Jesus. And they couldn't accuse him because the man was healed. And thousands of people were like, what are you going to do? Are you going you're to punish him? He's healed. The purpose of the healing was not just to heal the man, but to start a church and start a movement and to heal human hearts. What's greater, a healing of legs or a, a sinful heart that's been healed and renewed and forgiven? 
5,000 souls got tickets to heaven because of a man's healing. That we could get this in our minds that most of the time the healing is not about just, you know, oftentimes I'll just pray for someone or give someone a word that I have and I'm on my way. But it's, it doesn't, when, you, when someone really hears from the Lord, they are a captive audience. It's like, you could tell me anything. If, you, if, you, if, if a guy is healed, it's like, he's going to listen to whatever you want to say. You can say anything. Because he's like, whatever you just did, I'm listening to you because I'm different now. If you give someone a word that's truly from the Lord, they are different and they're ready to listen. The purpose is that, they would, that God would open the floodgates of his gospel, not just to heal someone, to heal someone beyond their way, to have a happier life. You know, I got, now I can walk, but I still, I still don't know Jesus. What does it matter? I mean, yes, we want to be people of mercy. We want to bring, we want to bring natural help to people. But it's, it doesn't stop there. It never should stop there. Paul says this. It says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. When I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. In other words, I didn't come to you with all this intellectual stuff and I wasn't a great speaker. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ, him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech messages were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith may not rest on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. That your faith may not rest on the wisdom of men. You know, how often do we go, oh, that guy's such an amazing preacher. He's just so smart and so, he's so powerful and brilliant. The wisdom of men most of the time. How many, this is sad, how many amazing, world-renowned preachers, most of the time men, have fallen in the past decade? They had followings of hundreds of thousands and they were caught cheating on their spouse. They were caught taking money. They were caught with something unethical. And that whole cult of personality, I love that guy. Oh, my faith is, is dashed now. The wisdom of men. Paul says, Paul says I didn't come to you in, in lofty speech or wisdom or, or sounding all eloquent. I came to you in power so that your, your faith would not rest on my words, but Jesus he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 20, the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5 says, We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not in word, but in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It's about us believing that God wants to do this, this morning even, that he wants to renew us, refresh us, and remind us this is his desire, that we would walk in his power for the sake of this body, but really the sake of the lost out there too. This past week, I was, I was um, watching a guy named Todd White. He has a pretty big following, one of those powerful speaker, evangelist, healer guys. And he, I've watched for many, many years. I, I was exposed to him 15 years ago at my previous church in Virginia. And he He's legit, like he has true gifts that are supernatural that he walks in. And he's repented recently in the past few months about saying things that he believed were wrong, that he, he believes now were in error. And he said things that, that he, he says basically that he felt like they were, they were unbiblical things. And I, and, I, and I respect him for that. But he, 
he moves in such a way that is gracious and he moves in such a way that's, that's loving. And I really have respected how he's, he's grown over the years to become really a, a pretty powerful person of, of, the, of the gifts, but he's not, he's not hype in my opinion. And so I wanted to watch a, an interaction he has with a man in a coffee shop that he prays for to be healed. The man is 100% deaf in one ear and he's deaf 80% in the other ear. And this is what happens in the, in the two-minute interaction. I'm going to show just the highlights. But... The idea is to really evoke us to say this is real. This, this is what God desires. And this is how, how loving he really is. Let's watch this, uh, this interaction with Todd and this man in the coffee shop. Uh, he just prayed for him. Amen. Amen. I don't have to be perfect. I know. But I want, I want your ears to get better because Jesus paid the price for you to be completely healed of hearing loss. He paid the price for us to be healed of all of our sicknesses and all of our diseases. He paid the price, not me. He did. So I'm just trying to give him the reward of the suffering. Well, right now, my ears are still kind of popping. I don't. Are they popping right now? Like Rice Krispies time. Uh, <laughs> is that normal? No, no. Jesus, thank you that all this popping and cracking would go. In Jesus' name, deafness, I command you, let him go now. In Jesus' name. Right now, ears open in Jesus' name. Brand new, brand new. God, thank you in Jesus' name. Open in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Can you hear this? Yeah. Wow, did you see that, Evan? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I can hear, but now I can't talk. <laughs> you can hear, but you can't talk. <laughs> Jesus, thank you. <laughs> thank you, God. Thank you for healing his ears. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Yay, God. Yay, God. <laughs> I haven't cried in 20 years since my dad died. I cried all my tears out at his funeral. Jesus' name. He says, I haven't cried in 20 years since my dad died at my dad's funeral. And I'm not, I wasn't going to cry ever again. But I'm crying now. These are good cry, good cry. I snapped my fingers again and cried harder. Snap, snap, snap. I can hear it. I can hear it. And so his deaf ear opened up. It's just so beautiful. Snap, it's never sounded so good. <laughs> amen. Yeah, amen. The heart of God. That's the heart of God. And we, some of us may be thinking, I can't do that. I, I can't believe he would want to do that through me. Or that's, is that real? He wants to speak to every one of us here in this room. His voice is available to every one of us in this room. He loves to speak if we'll listen. He may not do a, a thing like that. He may or may not. But he wants to speak to all of us individually because he wants to heal and restore and give you hope this morning. He's a God who's alive. He's a God who's real. And he wants to show off his son. He wants to show off his son. So I just want us this morning, as we step into ministry time, 
that we're going to have a little more time today than, than normal to, to pray about this. But I want to just to, to ask you to be of open, as we've, even this morning, as Pastor Jared just opened, had us open our hands, that we'd open our hands where we are this morning to receive whatever he wants to do, to fill us again, to refresh us again, to make us salt and light out there. But really, it begins here. Fill us, fill us up, Lord, so we can be poured out out there. We're, we are a church that wants to normalize this. Again, we don't want to make this, this um, weird or some weird pressure. We want to make this just, this is part of it, what it means to be a, a Christian. That's it. It's your inheritance. You're sealed to be filled, to walk in the power. Let's stand. So I'm just going to pray. And then Jocelyn will come up and lead us in ministry time. So maybe this would be the first time some of you have heard God's voice even. But we just want to step into this. and Let's, let's hold our hands out again as, as Jared did earlier. Let's just hold our hands out if you're okay with that. As if we're just going to receive whatever he wants to say or do this morning. Let's just pray and be quiet for a minute. Come Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. Would you just come? Right now, if you're at home, just welcome the Holy Spirit into your home. If you're watching, come Holy Spirit and speak. We have no agenda right now just to hear you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Father. Would you send your spirit? Would you fill us up? Just fill us up, Lord. Some of us need healing. Some of us are weary. Some of us want to walk in greater power. Whatever we are, wherever we are, just come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Just more, Lord, of you.